everyone, I would like to welcome you back to The Original Doll. I'm your host, James Rodriguez. On The Original Doll, I unpackage music with the people who create it. And we go behind the scenes of all of this iconography and give back to charity. So for more information, go to www.theoriginaldoll.com. And big shout out to my Patreon patrons. Thank you so much for your support. And... As with every episode of The Original Dial, any audio recording ripping stealing is strictly prohibited in every country in the world. So if you see anything leaked, please report it to the webmaster. But we are going to jump into this episode a little bit different. We're going to be talking to our favorite guest, returning icon himself, Steve Lunt, who was Britney Spears' A&R guy. He was there for the developing, the sun. He was choreographing stuff for her he was doing all of it and i'm just kidding about that part but <laughs> steve i'd like to welcome you back to the original doll how you doing sweet baby james oh just <laughs> so people it. don't think that's creepy um uh that's the name of a james taylor album so it's meant to be a joke so don't start don't start hassling me please <laughs> they're like what are you saying i love it <laughs> today you've been gracious enough to give your time to me and we've been able to kind of dig deep into all of these Britney Spears songs from the demo days all the way through and kind of see this evolution. And what's been great is your names come up with so many of the guests that have come on because you were the A&R guy. You were the guy that was orchestrating the albums. You were like, okay, Britney, let's get you working here. Let's figure this out. Let's get this mix going. Like you were there for the whole thing. So many of the guests that I've talked to are like, Steve was the one, Steve was the one that's like, Hey, try this. Or like, orchestration we're going to change this up try this version we'll do this so it's been really fun for us as fans of the music to get that behind the scenes um kind of stories with it because i think i know for me as a a consumer of music and not a musician i think i would take for granted had i not been doing this the amount of work and effort that goes into creating not just albums but these songs and not just the songs the you know the first version of the song so on and so forth so thank you for spending time with us deep diving if you will you're welcome i want to talk about you have been able to hear one of the previous guests and it's somebody that you know lauren christie and those who haven't listened to part one with lauren christie check it out on your preferred streaming platform but lauren christie was part of the matrix now we have lauren kind of gives us a little insight in the later of this episode about how they got involved. But why don't we rewind back? How did the Matrix, the production team, the songwriters, the the collective, the womb, as she says, what the Matrix name means, how did they come into your atmosphere first? I had a feeling you were going to ask me this because I can't remember. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Obviously, I'd heard, uh, you know, some stuff that they'd done and I was impressed. But I can't remember maybe somebody at the at the label maybe it was david stam or one of uh, my anr people brought them to my attention i can't, really can't remember but but um uh as soon as i got in touch with them and met them and uh, uh i just fell in love with them they were just so great uh you know lauren i mean there's three of them there's uh lauren who's just a uh, as people will know if they listen to her uh to her episode uh she's she's a sweetheart I mean, mm-hmm. besides being really talented, she's just a really nice person and just really easy to work with. Uh, Graham, uh, her musical partner, was was also like really talented too, a Scots guy, just like a lot of fun, you know, to it was for me being being English and being mm-hmm. and working with two British people in 
in LA. I just felt totally at home. It was great. And then they had Scott Spock, which is such a great name for, for someone who's 100%. sitting there dialing up the sounds and, you know, with his head in the computer. It's a, uh, it's great. Um, but they made such a great threesome uh, that, that as soon as I'd, uh, you know, delved into it a little bit and researched them a little bit, I just felt this was a natural and I got them to work. I mean, we'll get around to Brittany, but first of all, it was Melissa Lefton, this girl that I worked with, that I signed to Jive. This is my And it's, to this day, it's one of my three regrets um, in my uh, A&R life that, that I couldn't get that her as an artist and, and the Matrix who produced the whole thing um, any further than I, than I managed to get them or the label managed to get them. Um, Melissa was really talented and the Matrix just did such a great job. I mean, if anybody wants a, an undiscovered nugget, just go on YouTube and look up Melissa Lefton, L-E-F-T-O-N, Melissa Lefton, and just go through some of the songs. They're so fun, and they just they just just feel good things. She's really smart, but it just just it's just they're just good time good time songs. And the Matrix did an unbelievable job putting that together. And what I really like is, as somebody and, and you've seen, I have the promo CDs of Melissa's. Like, and when you listen, just just to the production level the thing that yeah. kind of shocked me was mm. the fact that this is a and i mean this in a good way highly polished album it was the best of the best throughout from, mm -hmm. from beginning to end and that's one of those moments and we've talked previously with you and other guests where they're like sometimes the artist doesn't work at that moment no matter how talented like, yeah. they can be the best you know most talented people in the world in this case i think it was more i just don't think the label really understood it fully you know mm -hmm. jive are a lot of good things and there's also a, a couple of restrictive things about about jive records and um <clears throat> excuse my voice today and um and and in her case i think they found it because she's got this like dry sense of humor and a lot of her songs there's this mm -hmm. very tongue-in-cheek There's this mm -hmm. very tongue-in-cheek um, cheekiness to it that, that I found really appealing. Um, I think the label couldn't make up their minds. Is she pop? Is she is she like novelty? Like, what is this, you know, type of thing? Um, and I just think that there were such great songs on there, like really melodic. But like when I say melodic, I'm talking up-tempo melodic in the same mm -hmm. way like, like Pink or something. She didn't have a voice like Pink. It was a different kind of voice. But uh, but But the same sort of idea, if you like, in, in terms of those up-tempo melodic songs that they had that Pink had at the time, like Let's Get the Party Started and things like that. They're just like great records, whatever decade you're in. 
Um, mm-hmm. And and the matrix really helped. Um, were really you know eighty percent of creating that sound, if not more. I mean, they just you know they they had a way of bringing things out of Melissa that just made her um, special, um, brought her specialness out of her. Let's put it that way. Um, so uh, you know. I, I do feel a regret that I couldn't take that any further, but, but what it did, it, it just, it really introduced me to the matrix on a, on a day-to-day working level about how I could work with them about, you know, if I could feel comfortable putting other artists, um, you know, with, with them, because working with, with Melissa, who was an unknown uh, is one thing, you know, and you're, and you're bringing along an unknown artist and, but, but what they did is they bought, they brought Melissa out of herself and made her even more, you know, in your face than she would have been before. And they did it in such a friendly way and such a, a kind way with her that, um, that I just felt ultra confident about putting Brittany in the same room as them. I just knew that that Brittany would love them, you know, and they would treat her with, uh, you know, with respect and, uh, and some, you know, just, just gently, you know, because I think Brittany always needs to be treated a little bit gently. How was this something where you knew Brittany could go and spend some time, a few days with the Matrix? Or like what made it different than how nowadays, let's say, here's some tracks, that person will do something for you. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. what creativity was happening that it made sense to go let's 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 put her in the field with these these individuals well at this point in in britney's career um and in her life as a person you know it was necessary for her to start writing songs i think you know to Mm -hmm. be co-writing with people and feeling involved in the songs i think the days had passed when um when it was you know max martin like writing the songs for her with with you know different people or um, even the Neptunes, you know, when they did um, um, Slay for You and things like that. Um, And songs that that kind of represented Britney, but it wasn't really Britney. They weren't Britney's Mm -hmm. lyrics or or words. Um, And those worked at the time, but I think when it came to In the Zone, you know, we were really dealing with a different animal at this point. You know, um, Britney was you know, beginning to feel her oats, you know, as a person, you know, she was, she was growing up and, um, and she felt like she wanted to say things. And I think that, you know, in the same way that I put it together with, uh, with KNS, you know, with Josh and Brian, I felt comfortable that they would be able to, to let her have her say and not leave her frustrated or, you know, be, be male dominating, you know, that, they, you know, that they would just be um, treat her as a total equal, which they did. And I felt the same about about the Matrix on this record. I just thought I'll put her in there. She's going to be in a safe place with them, and she'll be able to spill her guts with regards to what she wants to write about, you know. And uh, and I think to be able to, you know, and the fact that that Lauren, you know, was a, a female was was a large part of this because I think, you know, to be honest with you, if Brittany, however friendly they were, if you put Brittany in a room at that point with three guys, like a production team of three guys. That's a whole different atmosphere, a whole different mm. vibe, and a whole different maybe anxiety level. I don't know, but but to have Lauren there as a as a older sister, you know, type of thing, you know, mm. or someone uh, and someone who's been through, you know, through it herself, you know, being you know being a recording artist, mm-hmm. 
that was that was uh, immensely important, I think, in in the songs that they wrote. And uh, I mean, I was looking at the demos before I, you know, demos that I still retain of of you know, the, the Matrix ones. I don't, I have here, including the demo for for Shadow. I know there were more, and uh, unfortunately, the only one they got on the album was Shadow. Um, but the you know the 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 competition was fierce to get on that record, you know, and uh, and and some of these songs are really good, and and there's one um, which is called uh, one of the songs is called Drama Mama. Now, for those who kind of get Lauren's sense of humor, and if you know Britney Spears' songwriting, so the song Drama Mama, the opening lines go something like this: "It's like I always sleep with my clothes off because I'm never sure if tonight you're gonna knock on my door." And it's one of those lines that like, and we know from Lauren where she says, you know, being that naughty girl, but it's one of those kind of like, let's throw it out there right away. I love it. And that's where Brittany was in her life. She wanted to express herself a bit more physically and sexually in, in the songs, you know, as you can tell with you know, with a lot of the songs on in the zone, you know, there's, there's those kind of references, but, but in this one, and unfortunately that one didn't make, didn't make the record, but, uh, but those opening lines are just, you know, killer. Well, and, and what I want to say is, and I talked to, you know, Lauren, and you heard the the first part of the interview where it's like, yes. you know, was there a point where you're basically, your own song is knocking your own song out of contention? <laughs> I've been privy to to some of the demos just in, in general of these things. And you go, okay, this song maybe was Shadow 2.0, or this song would have been a version of Toxic. Do you know where it's like, you had Toxic, you didn't need that runner up, you know, version of toxic. And so what I think is interesting is how you as this curator, as this architect of the album is really going, okay, we have a lot of great songs, but we need to like roll back. And if you only have real estate for, let's say 11 spots. Okay. The sexy song we got covered by song a, you know what I mean? This song, the going out clubbing, going to bed, Okay, we got that song with B. So let me ask you, when you're going through this, how often, because I think you and I have talked about this before, but not with the listeners. How often was there, okay, I'm pretty sure we have the track listing, then last minute songs come in, you're like, damn, do you know what I mean? Like things can keep shifting. Yeah. Well, there's a couple of things. First of all, um, I didn't think about it as logically as you just laid it out. Like we've got this song that does this, this song. Mm-hmm. I mean, I really don't think like that. Like if uh, I just, it was like, just if the song was strong, it would find its way, you know, to the surface. Mm-hmm. Um, now it might've been at the end, there were two strong songs which dealt with exactly the same subject matter and you'd have to like, maybe then pick, you know, but, um, but I, and I, I don't think I ever played any songs in progress to other producers like if i was going to you know a producer i wouldn't say this is what we've got so far you know see what you can do to fit in with that mm-hmm. i just really didn't want to put those restrictions on anybody i wanted to i wanted everybody to feel totally free and i said um i said just give me you know your most creative but commercial stuff you can i mean i don't want uh, you know something so far out that no one's going to understand it you know, I don't mm-hmm. want the reggae song sung in Japanese or something, you know, like, mm-hmm. you know, however creative it may, it may be. I wanted, um, but I did want them to feel free to, to be able to just go for it, you know? And uh, I, I wasn't scared of something that was out there as long as it was commercial and it was Britney, 
so so putting together the record wasn't you know it was kind of haphazard in that way intentionally so it's like organized chaos when you're putting this together that you you kind of mentioned it that the track list kind of changes but also it's it's always an evolution all oh, right the last yeah the last minute she could be on the yeah. road yep yeah. she could be on the road touring and go okay i'm done with this then when she has that free time goes to live her life then comes back and then she's like yeah I was influenced by palm trees and now I want to do, you know, yeah, palm right. tree songs. I'm saying in general, like you hear all these producers and even the recording artists that I've talked to where they're like, yeah, I thought it was going this way. And then something changed or, and we talked about this with Jimmy Harry and uh, Shepard Solomon, where sometimes you can have a great song and the title is used by somebody else. Right. And they're like, nope, we're not, we're not, we're not touching that. So yeah. when you look at this song, Shadow, what do you think Shadow brought to Britney's In the Zone? What kind of three-dimensional thing did that add that was kind of that was important enough for the song to be included on the album? The album that there were still such, you know, high expectations for. Well, what did Shadow was, bring? It it brought it brought a certain sort of melody and a certain drama to um to the album that that I, I didn't feel was in the other ones. Though, uh, no, I, that's unfair to say it wasn't in, in other songs. But um, the particular thing that that, that Shadow bought was a it was just like a sense of drama. Um, and I I'm finding this difficult to put into words because I often do when I when I like a, a you know a piece of music. Sometimes it's very difficult to describe to other people why you like it. Mm -hmm. People do it in colors. You know, they say, "Oh, because it's blue." You know, they say, "Oh, that's good. Thank you." Um, but in this case, um, Britney sounded good on it. They sent me the demo, and the demo, my notes on the demo were, um, were it was that it was eighty percent final vocal on the demo, and then I had the track sound. It was too Avril right now. In other words, mm. too Avril Lavigne sounding right now, and and it was still very a, a rough a rough track. And they weren't certain. The Matrix certainly weren't. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, presenting this as being a final demo, the one I got, they were just giving me the rough outlines of what they wanted me to hear, so they knew what to wish to work on, you know, deeper. And um, and with with this one, it just felt like it was not quite atmospheric enough. It just felt a little straight, like a like an like an Avril Lavigne, like a pop rock mm -hmm. type of song. Didn't quite feel like it belonged with the rest of the Britney material on the, on the album, which is a bit more electronic at this point, you know, um, and just atmospheric. And I think that must've been the, uh, um, judging by my notes, that must've been my, my, um, my reference to them to, you know, to, to, to change it up a little bit, to work on it in, in that way. And, and when it came back, it was just brilliant. You know the um, the arrangement was great, and uh, the vocal uh, production, you know, with Lauren was great. Uh, so um, I was really happy with it, you know, and it and it fully deserved its spot on there. I just wish I could have gotten the more songs on the album, but it would have meant a double album. <laughs> uh, and Jive was like, "We're not trying to put out double albums right now. We're going to put out one album, right? You know, get this thing going." So for me, being able to talk to Lauren Christie, who just created so many iconic songs, and really created this great voice like for these these women that accompanied these women where 
she really, I feel like, gave that freedom. Because when you hear these Avril Lavigne stories or later on BB Rexa and everyone, that these women were able to shine because she was just, to your point, like a sister to them. Like, she was just there. Let's get this going. But I also think that she had that vulnerability where nothing is too um, sugary or sappy. You know what I mean? That you can, you can kind of make it work. But I also think Shadow, if it had gone more pop rock sonically, to your point, it would not have fit on an album with Moby, you know, with K&S, the hookup. Right. It would not no, have gone. No, I wouldn't. And that's more of a, this is a compilation of a greatest hits where the only reason why they're all on there together is because they were their hits. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> I also do love when Britney Spears does these ballads and then when she performs them, because to me, as a as a fan of these artists, whether we go back to Janet, Cindy Lauper, Madonna, Mariah, all these people, they have all these great upbeat, let's get going songs. But then there's the vulnerable side. For as much as I love, you know, uh, girls just want to have fun. I love time after time. You know what I mean? For as much as I love right. Vogue, I love, you know, Oh Father. And so I always look for those moments in these albums that give me a full artist right that she still had that tone to do it and lauren christie's vocals and parts accompanying that i think also adds because i always say it's like this haunting it's just different and when you listen to the lyrics now myself as a as a grown adult you know what i mean <laughs> i think i understand the lyrics even more now because i feel like i've lived that now right. do you know what right. i mean and it's like and that's what I love about great music, the great storytelling. And I can go back to Shadow and go, and the thing is, those lyrics smart. They kind of hit you in the gut. Because when you think about it, it's like, oh, a Shadow leaving. It's like, no, you were never there. Like, mm -hmm. it wasn't your Shadow because you see them walking away. This is a completely different way. And to me, it showed a progress to Britney Spears that made me fall in love with her even more. In the, on this album specifically, by the time I got to Shadow, I was like, what is this going to be like? And I wish that we had such a thing as like YouTube reactions, because I would always <laughs> buy the albums the night it came out or go to any, you know, record music shop, Sam Goody, Virgin Records, and play it from beginning to end. And I would crack open that booklet, kind of read who was doing what. And there were times where I'm like, wait, what is this? And I remember Shadow made me feel that way. And then every time hit yeah. me too, where I was like, this is, this is a woman allowing me to feel sad, lonely, but also there's a, a hint of optimism or acknowledgement that this is where I am. And I think that you helped orchestrate this album for me as a listener to have the great crazy euro moby what is happening kind of thing <laughs> you know I, th I, I think that's you know that. to your point james i think that's that's i think today's generations uh, um you know with the streaming and 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 being just songs by themselves individual songs as opposed to an album when they first listened to it i thought i think they kind of they've missed out on something you know through no fault of their own obviously but but there was a great experience i think that you got um from 
buying an album for the first time and not really knowing anything about it except for the single that you heard on the radio. Mm-hmm. So you get this unknown quantity of 10 songs that you'd never heard before in addition to the single, say. And and you'd put it on, you'd hear the single, you say, it's great. And then it would take you on this journey throughout, you know, the next 40 minutes, um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, this emotional journey, this this emotional journey, if you like, and depending how much you got into it. Um, and I think that's that's kind of missing these days. And it's such a shame because it's such that I think that's when people really got into the artist. They had the they put the headphones on, they listened to this thing for 40 minutes and they started again and listened to the whole thing again. Because I think if the album is is sequenced right, which is which I spent a long time, you know, trying mm-hmm. to do well. Um, and uh, th- then I think it takes the listener on a journey from from A to Z or Z, mm-hmm. as we say in England, you know, it, it takes you, it, it takes you the whole spectrum. Um, and, uh, and that's, I think that's an art that's kind of lost in, not just in the, in the, um, in the making of the records, but in, in the listening of the records. And I feel like a little sad that the listeners don't have a chance to, to really do that until maybe after the fact. And they, after they've got about 10 of these things, they listen to them all, but it's still not in the order that that was that was put on the uh, on the album that's there's a great i think there's a beauty about about the order on an album about getting it so it takes you like the ups and downs on it and the the gaps of silence in between them does it go straight from one song into another um really quickly so it jolts you and gets you excited about the next song or does is, is there a long fade on one song and then it leaves you with maybe three seconds instead of two or one and a half seconds instead of leaving you the short, it was a longer gap. So you left wondering what's going to happen. And then something comes in and it's like either a, a shock because it's an up tempo song or it's a, another slow or it's a slow one. And it just creeps in slowly. Or there's a crossfade, like one is fading out as another one is fading in mm-hmm. all of these, all of these things, which are meant to take you on, on a sonic journey, just don't exist in this, in the, in this technical day and age. And, uh, you know, it's a little sad that that's gone by the wayside as an option, you know, I'm not saying you shouldn't do it the way the way we do it these days, but I think as an option, there's no there's no platform. You know, everything is like one song at a time. So even if you put those songs together, the gaps in between the songs or the, the various volumes between the songs is all governed by the platform that you're on, not by the producer or the artist. Um, so I think that's a little sad. Yeah, and and I think to your point is there was a purpose for the order of the song. There was thought put behind it. And as listeners, I would say we take that journey, the peaks and the valleys, the ups and the downs. And to me, it always made sense with, and, and listeners, I I've received so many great, you know, comments from all of you saying they loved where they would just press play. You know, if they put that CD in and press play and just, just get so into it. And I feel like as a as a music listener and lover and as you and everyone in the in the world knows about me, right. is that like I'll still listen to those albums, I'll still buy them. I think right now there's one artist that is still creating the like let's just press play and go, and that's Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. And and yes. listeners, without giving anything away, in the next couple of weeks, we have a Taylor Swift episode coming up because <laughs> Steve Lunt has a story 
and it's and that's all I'm going to say. That's all I'm going to say. And it's <laughs> it's it was actually mind blowing. So that's going to be there. But kind of closing up on this, when you look at Shadow, how different was the Britney that was able to communicate and collaborate with that with Lauren and the Matrix than when you first were with her during the development days, you know, the demos. In a matter of those five years, let's say, how do you think the recording artist of Britney changed from when you first came in through Shadow in the Zone? Well, I mean, she changed from being a 15-year-old, you know, child into like a 20-something-year-old, you know, woman, I guess. You Mm -hmm. know, I don't know how, you know, what the word is to describe someone who's in their early 20s, but that's what she turned into, like an independent person. Um, So when she first started, she was just very, I think she was conscious in her Southern, you know, girl way of trying to please the, uh, the producers and the people who she considered to be people in power, you know, which I guess in those days would have been the producers of the record company people to her. Um, and I don't think she would have done anything, you know, musically, um, that, that was against her, you know, feelings, but she certainly wasn't as vocal because you're just not that way at 15 years old or 16, you know, to, to say that, but we never, I mean, I made sure I was very protective. So I made very sure that she was never presented with, with things that were um, unsuitable for her Mm -hmm. at that age, you know, always tried to make things, things were appropriate. Um, And, you know, and I'd play her stuff, you know, and and she would say, yeah, I like that. Or, you know, I'm not too sure, you know, but she would, you know, she was very accommodating, if you like, at that age, as everybody is at that age. I mean, I don't think there's many artists who at 15, you know, stamp their foot on the floor and bang the desk and say, no, this is what I want. You know, when it's their first chance at a record deal, nobody does that, you know. Um, so and as her career went on, you know, she got more and more involved and more opinionated, you know, in a good way. Um, she started coming, started coming forth with her own opinions on songs that you know, as opposed to just sort of being given them. She, she would say, yeah, I don't know about that one, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, so bit, then it would become more of a discussion, you know, adult to adult, if you like, the, the older she got. So by the time we got to In The Zone, which was my favorite period in this whole thing, I think, um, in many regards, um, especially musically, is the fact that, you know, I was able to involve her more in the creation of the songs. Um, they were more personal to her the lyrical content uh, her interaction with the producers was more personal it just became a lot more personal and it was it was a i think it was a, a testament to her growing up you know now mm-hmm. in later albums maybe you think she's already grown up and she's saying whatever she wants and everything but but at the point of in the zone this is when she just she just went from um from from being a teenager to to a woman really you know like almost overnight with that album um, and that was, it was a great thing to be part of. Hopping out for a quick second to remind you to join me in my community, theoriginaldoll.com. And if this is your first time listening to the show, welcome. If you're a returning guest, welcome back. And if you're a fan of learning all about these great icons who helped in the creation of this iconography, check out the other episodes because all of the episodes are available globally. That's right. Go through and look to see if you know any of the producers, songwriters, recording artists, and more. And 
join me on Instagram, the.original.dal. Let your friends know. Don't forget to rate and review. My name is James Rodriguez. Back to the show. So here's the album that's getting laid out. Creatively, Max Martin, those Swedish producers that were on the first several albums, not in sight on this album. Right. And so then was there you as like this orchestrator, this architect, was there a lot of pressure to see how can, because there were so many people that were like, I mean, we talked about Shania Twain, Mutt Lang before, where people are like, Shania Twain can't survive without Mutt Lang. You know what I mean? And there's so many people that worked with Max Martin that many people, media, I'll say, are like, there's no way that this artist can succeed without this Sven Gulli, if you will. So two, two parts of that. Was there ever any thought to have Max Martin involved in on this album? Secondly, knowing there was no Max Martin, was there was Paranoia? there more? Yeah, yes. was there more paranoia? Okay. Yeah, I mean the, the first part of that is there was always uh, Max. The door is always open to Max. Um, you'd have to be crazy not to leave the door open for Max to you know, present something to you. It was his choice um, not to not to be involved um he was going through a period of uh, of his own you know uh, where he um i think he felt like he had taken it as far as he could in the way that in the way that um he thought that the label wanted um britney to go you know now whether that was i never i don't think i ever spoke to him one-on-one -on -one about this but um but he was you know his um I think he'd felt like he'd he'd sort of reached this crisis point in his own career when he had he had done all the all the sweet stuff, you know, all the Britney stuff and the Backstreet Boys, and he was trying to look for something else because he felt like he was just repeating himself. Mm. Um, and as a creative person, that's that's a kind of a it's kind of a, a difficult place to be. You've had a huge success with one style, and you realize, well, maybe he's getting a little old now. But what mm. the hell do I do next? And I think he was busy figuring that out which I had no doubt he was going to figure out because a guy with that much um, talent melodically and, uh, and, and just visually, you know, and, and uh, in every way possible that he was not going to be able to figure it out, which of course he did, but the door was always open for him to, to come in and do something. But with the second part of your question, yes, it was the label was, it was kind of a hard place to be at that point from my, from my point of view, as I've told you before, that the um, this is the first album by a major artist coming out on Jive after the owner Clive Calder had sold the company and left. So it was left. So suddenly Barry Weiss, who was usually the second in command under Clive, he was now the first in command, and he was a radio promo guy. He wasn't an A and R guy like or a musician like Clive was. <clears throat> so, so he was totally paranoid about how this, what this record should be and how it should be put together and what songs we should have and what direction. So, which is a whole other story, but yeah, it was, it was kind of mm -hmm. difficult, but I kind of knew where I wanted to go with it. And I wanted to take it somewhere different from the previous albums and just, you know, wing it just a little bit and just get producers and writers just to give us of their best without any, without any real thought to, the stuff that had gone on before just to see what we got um but yeah it was tough because the 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 pressure to deliver was was immense that's the mm -hmm. only one i can think of 
well and that's that's the point because there's this magic connection between Brittany and max martin and i remember you said you know max martin could create all these great songs but he needs that star ingredient yeah. to really push it to the level that that song needs and i was just looking through even the um max martin's kind of discography because around 2003 he was working with celine dion then kelly clarkson and then there's kind of a, a huge chunk of time around there that he was not on the radio charts and i also think for the listeners keep in mind what was being released at that time you had more r&b you had more hip-hop rap coming into play at that time and that was truly the time where i saw we already knew people were like is this teen bubble gonna burst is this teen bubble gonna burst and then it's like britney having been the youngest of the the trifecta i'll say of backstreet and sync and herself that now when she's this this woman you know what i mean that i think the rest of the listeners are changing they're evolving they're going to college things change now something that i wanted to kind of give as a, a for the listeners here is you end the album on every time the standard album on every time was every time the only option to end the album on and what does an album how does an album benefit from a ballad ending the album? Well, you know, I'm I'm sort of big on the things that I'm I'm big on when I'm sequencing an album is I like to start off with um with you know three songs at least like to be kind of up tempo or or at least things that grab you straight off, you know, that that you don't have to think too too much about. They just like hit you immediately. Um and then I like to end an album with something that leaves you thinking a little bit more, you know, um, something that's more geared towards the head as opposed to, you know, um, the feet. And, um, and in this case, uh, the only two songs I think that really fit that bill were, um, were shadow and every time. And to me, shadow just didn't feel quite right to me. That didn't feel like an ending song. It didn't sort of make, enough of a statement in terms of being an ending song. Um, it felt like a, a song that sort of, you know, should be somewhere towards the end of the album. You're kind of winding down a little bit, mm-hmm. but it didn't feel like it was, it was, should be the last song. The last song should make a bit more of a statement, whether it's a, I mean, if you're going for an up-tempo song, there has to be something kind of outrageous with an outrageous ending to it. Um, so that it sort of feels like when it gets to the end, you go, oh, shit, I got to listen to some more. You know, you, mm-hmm. the ending is the last few seconds are really important. And I just felt that that every time it was the only song like that on the album, it was, you know, stripped down. It was, you know, Britney was a very sort of delicate arrangement. Um, and I think that when it just ends, it just leaves the album feeling, ah, you're left with this feeling of of completion, you know, of satisfaction at the end of it. Um and ready for another up-tempo song, which is when you put the CD in again and you listen to Me Against the Music again, number one, you know. <laughs> That's, the, the, so So really there were only two choices. There was Shadow or uh, Every Time. And I think Every Time was a bit more confessional, mm-hmm. you know, and a bit more oh, yeah. just Britney one-on-one time with Britney, if you like it, right at the very end of the album. Mm-hmm. That's why I went with that. 
There you go, everyone. Now, don't worry. We have more with Steve Lunt coming up very soon. And like I said, we legitimately have gone through almost every single song from the development days through chaotic. That's right, everyone. Through chaotic. <laughs> so when people are like, wait, where does it? Wait, wait. Yep, that's what it is. So, Steve, I want to thank you so much for being here again today on the original doll. I appreciate it. You're welcome, baby James. <laughs> I love it. All right, everyone. And now we're going to continue with my interview with Lauren Christie. Happen out to remind you that you can join me and support the show. Just go to www.theoriginaldoll.com and click on that Patreon link. For that, for as little as a dollar a month, you're able to keep this show going. Thank you so much to the current Patreon supporters. You all rock. And if this is your first time listening, check out all the different episodes with Steve Lunt. There are many that I've added as the B-side or the bonus track so that you can get a little bit more insight into Britney Spears as this show was created to honor her and so many others because it does take a village. Now we're going to continue our conversation with Lauren Christie. My name is James Rodriguez. This is The Original Doll. We know you continue to work with Avril throughout her career, popping up here and there. But the second album, did you all get go back into the studio with her? Because that was, with, was it Ben Moody and everyone? No, or? we didn't. No, we didn't. Um, you know, I think that artists, they're like, uh, you know, bees. And they want to fly to a different flower and try working with other people. And so God bless Avril. That's what she did. And and we were very busy working on other stuff. And so it was like no hard feelings at all. Um, it was just, you know, and it was also, you know, we did it, you know, it became so successful that, you know, like sometimes it'd be a bit too much pressure to have to go in and create something again. So it was nice to work with her years later after the, the success. Well, and that was one but, of those yeah. things that she's still been able to, she is still, I mean, she's been on tour and everything. She still is an artist that is that is still creating. And what I've loved is, you know, and, and somebody asked me, they're like, can you believe Avril's going to be like 40 in like a year or two? I never thought of it that way. They're like, yet when she's performing and doing her thing, it still seems like genuinely her. And it doesn't seem forced mm-hmm. or anything. This seems like the natural progression of who she is. Doesn't she look amazing? It's unbelievable. And the whole time I'm like, and I know, I know she spends, you know, late nights up and everything. I know she's not going to bed at nine o'clock at night forever. You, But whatever she does, yeah. the jeans, she still looks amazing, which is why it's, it's crazy to think because I think we as fans of her music grew up with her as teens going through and going, you know, now families, married, maybe divorces, kids. Yeah. It's just insane to look back and go, She's still doing her thing. And when I look at Avril today, it is still mm-hmm. the Avril that I knew of then and still making the music that, yeah. that I, I love. All right. Now we're going to. Yeah, she's also a rock chick. Oh, my 100%. And that's what I got yeah. a lot from people about how you worked with like a lot of these women, Ashley Tisdale, Hillary Duff, mm-hmm. and that. Miranda yeah. Cosgrove, like all these people where it's like, there was always this rock sensibility, this kind of little off the center, but mm-hmm. there's somebody that I want to yeah. jump to. And that is Jason Mraz, Remedy, I Don't Worry. to nothing in the end. I, I won't worry my life. 
Clyde yeah. from Dubai said, mm. James, can you ask the Matrix, Graham, Scott, Lauren, I think they mean separate, about mm-hmm. creating yeah. a song? I know this is loved by many who fought cancer and their support system. I've sent this to many people who needed a little pick-me-up. The song is so special. Also, can you ask the team or individual, mm-hmm. how much pressure is it to be the first production to go out into the world for a new artist? Yours truly, Clyde from Dubai. Hmm. Thanks, Clyde. Um, so, yeah, Jason was about to release his record. Record label thought, you know, maybe they'll just pop, a, pop him in with the Matrix to see if we could, like, come up with a... a a big single um they weren't sure if they had the big first single and so uh we listened to his stuff we were just blown away it was beautiful his songwriting um he came to the studio and he and we said have you got anything that's been kicking around for a while that you're just not sure how to finish and so he said yeah this is about my friend who was suffering with cancer and um so he played us that. Well, I saw fireworks on the freeway and behind closed doors. I can't make them go away because you were born on the 4th of July. Freedom rain, something on the surface is stink. He sung us all of this. And even he sung us that because the remedy is the experience. This is the dangerous liaison. I said the comedy. So we're like, Hank, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a hit. But then he didn't have anything that came after that bit. Um, he had that like tragedies, how you gonna spend the rest of your nights with the light on? So shine the light on all of your friends, because it all amounts to nothing in the end. That's all he had up to there. And at that point, I think I said, Well, you know, you just need to say something like, I won't worry my life away. No way. And I just busted that line. And he was like, well, that's it. And I said, I don't think you need to say any more because you've said so much brilliant stuff. It just needs to be such something so simple. I won't worry my life away because there's so much to worry about, right? And um, at that point, Scott and Graham starts putting the track together. He's like, great. Then the next thing is, uh, you know, I heard two men talking on the radio. We wrote that entire next verse with him go back to his amazing pre the remedy is the experience which is kind of like a chorus in itself um and then graham really came up with the uh the the bridge when i fall in love i take my time and um it was just this beautiful day that we spent with jason and it just was boom this instant like perfect song um starting with his genius i gotta hand it to him and um and it was just beautiful and we actually didn't produce that he was working with john mayer's produ- uh, production uh, producer and so they just took the demo and then they did their own version of it which sounds incredibly like our demo and and we had a big hit with it and it was the first single it was amazing and i love it and recently i was at a party and jason was there and we sang it together with him playing the piano it's just a, a magic moment we hadn't seen each other in all those years so much time so many times you write a song with people and you never see them again. I call it hit and run. <laughs> um, and it's okay. It That's was a moment amazing. in time. Yeah. It's yeah. what, so then the question once again, is that that became his debut single, his debut song. Yeah. When did it go from you all going, okay, what do you have? Let's do this. Okay. Work to then all of a sudden this is because at that point, I'm assuming they would have already said, well, I think this might be option A for the first song. This gets created. That becomes it. How fast was that from the time that it was created to hearing it's going to be included and released? 
very fast. Yeah, because his album was finished. And so at that point, they came back to us and they said, uh, you know, we might put this on the record. And we were like, oh, okay. And then they didn't tell us it was going to be the first single. <laughs> and we were like, okay, that's fantastic. And, um, and we wanted to produce it, but he already had a producer. Um, but, you know, we're just thrilled. It's like, again, one of, one of my favorite songs, my favorite song with you, but that's up there. As, oh, I just so think good. it's a great song and it really is uplifting. And and I sing it to myself if I'm ever a bit down, you know, it's it's that message there, the chorus of, you know, I'm just not going to, I can't worry. I, you just got to trust. See, Everything's going to be fine. Mm. See, and what yeah. I loved and, and listeners message me and let me know once again, because let me, I need as many people to send me messages telling Lauren release an album with her vocals singing these songs we need I need a big okay, push everyone so because of you literally. I, I'm gonna I do will, it because I was I, will I was thinking maybe people wouldn't want to hear that you know that they'd want to hear new songs but now you're saying no do do the actual songs that people know um yeah I, I'll go for it and the whole thing I'm is inspired. The whole thing is when when I pull up like uh, Pam Shane and several other people are like, James, oh, my God, you're finding out all this stuff about like these songs and sales and everything from recently. I go, because it's important to let people know, yes, I can talk about, you know, how big of a hit, like, you know, the remedy platinum, you know, in the U.S. and everything. I go, but it's the longevity that makes the songs so much more special. And I think that you releasing something with your voice, I think in general, you always bring something different to anything that you do. And I think that we'll be blessed and privileged to be able to hear you finally release all those, you know, just more songs with your voice on it, because it's amazing. Hopping up for a quick second. One of my favorite things about this is being able to talk to the creatives, the producers like Lauren Christie and the songwriters about how these songs were created, the evolutions, and also sometimes how songs went from artist A to artist B. Oftentimes I get sent emails, DMs, people on Patreon message me, asking me, hey, James, do you know if this song was created for this person or that person? We've been able to clear up a lot of information at the dismay of many people. Now, what's truly amazing is when I talk to Lauren Christie, let's say specifically about the song that she produced or a song that she has written on, she can tell us exactly who these people were for, who she was told she was going to be pitching the song to. So we can clear up that sort of information. But we're going to get right to this. Here is Lauren Christie talking about Tonight I'm Loving You. And was this a Britney Spears song? Here we go. Wow, I've never heard that. I, I mean, I can tell you the story of how that came about. Um, that that came about because I was invited. I was just like, I wasn't doing The Matrix anymore. I just was like trying in my hand at just being a songwriter and for, for a couple of years. And um, I went to a session and I was really nervous because it was with a DJ, this guy, DJ Frankie. And when I got there, they were very specific. They said, um, we're, writing, we're writing a song for Akon. And so I was like, okay, Akon. Um, I went outside. I said a little prayer because I was like, I don't have any ideas. And this is kind of nerve wracking for me. So I was like, God, can you just give me a little something? And uh, I went in and they had this track. And it, I love the beat. And I was like, okay. And before I knew it, um, something popped in my head. And that's kind of how it works with me with songwriting. I say a prayer and then boom, something will just drop into my head. And so I said to the guys in the room, Jacob Luttrell and DJ Frankie, I said, I got this idea. And I said, the lyric is, um, you say something like, 
I've never felt this way about anybody until I met. And I said, and here's the hook. So it starts with you and that's the hook. And they were like, whoa, can you do that again? And I said, sure. And they said, then can you go on the mic and do that? And I went on the mic and did it. And, they were, and then I said, it just depends what we're going to say. And at that point, Jacob Luttrell, who's a naughty boy, said, um, uh, tonight I'm effing you. <laughs> and I was like, no, it can't be that. <laughs> this beautiful, pure thing that I've just come up with. Um, and everyone's like, yeah, tonight I'm effing you. And that's how we recorded it. And at that point, um, everyone wanted it. Akon wanted it. And then Enrique wanted it. And there was a like a little battle for the song. And um, in the end, uh, Enrique flew DJ Frankie on a private jet to Miami to watch the Dolphins game. And mm. it became Enrique's song. <laughs> so that's the story of how that song came about. And that was one of probably the fastest song I've ever written and it came out three weeks later and then it went right to number one all around the world it's such a strange thing to happen when it happens like that normally like with avril you finish the record and then a year later it comes out but this was just boom done you know um so yeah i keep saying those prayers <laughs> well what i love is that like how you can go in and go okay we're we're thinking about artist a and work on something and then it finds itself in a completely different space and i think what we've loved learning is it happens more than people realize because the other thing is so many times there's a great song but it just has to find the right home you know it could have been written and, and recorded by you know this artist and then years later gets released by this other artist it happens it happens a lot what i've loved is being able to hear these stories and go, oh, this is this is kind of this is kind of cool to hear. Well, what would that one have sounded like? You know what I mean? Like, wait, so this was pitched yeah. with. There's a lot, especially in the 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 Britney realm of music, where people are like, well, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it was Steve Anderson I interviewed, and he said, you know, the thing to remember is he goes, even if Britney wasn't going to cut your song, he's like, that song is going to get cut by somebody else because they hear, wait, it was. Or Brittany, bring that on yeah. over here. Yeah. Miranda Cosgrove, FYI, Cassie from Spain said, I love Lauren Christie's songwriting and her voice. How cool is it that her voice and words were enjoyed by people like me? I was a preteen when I, the song came out and it was my first introduction to rap pop. Now I am a fan of Fleetwood Mac, Sheryl Crow, and Shakira. Can you ask how cool it is to hear her voice, especially on any of these songs and loved by so many preteens back in the day? It makes my childhood very, very happy. Thank you so much. Oh, <laughs> that's so beautiful. Wonderful. Um, is her question, what does it feel like to hear my voice backing up these amazing artists? Is that what the question yeah. is? Yep. And and also, Incredible. how did you get involved in that? The Miranda. In, with Miranda. Um, my manager, Sandy Robertson, again, he was just a beast at bringing in the right artists and, and getting amazing work for us. And and um and what was crazy is that my I had two young daughters, and so the iCarly show was just like a huge thing for them and we got to go to the set and go and watch watch it being filmed and it was amazing and let me just tell you 
Miranda is one of the nicest, coolest people in the music business and, and entertainment. And her mom is just amazing. Um, I don't often say that about parents in the music business because they can be a little, you know, momager. Mm -mm. Her mom is the coolest. We, we always say, please bring your mom because she's so nice. And Miranda and I've stayed friends. We actually worked together like, I don't know, maybe like six years ago. We did another song for her. Um, just she's just like an, a really lovely down to earth person. And that, that's why I see people who have longevity in their career. It's because they're a cool person. They're really nice. They're gracious to people. Um, she's very talented. And I love getting to hear my backgrounds and on the backing up these famous singers. It's just like tickles me, you know, I'm just like, yay. I love, especially on complicated when I hear la, 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 la. Good life's like this, you know, and that's me on that. And I, and I just love, I love it. It's an honor. Well, that's one of those things that I think the, the listeners on the show have really gotten is that they, they said, wait, uh, the voices on here might not just be that one artist. I said, no, especially in pop music and everything. I go, there's all sorts of different voices that help yeah. lift up this, this, this song. And yeah. I think it's been cool. And that's why I keep telling people buy the digital album, because it has the best sound that you can hear. And the cool thing is I go mm -hmm. there. I go, if you want to get into producing or anything, listen to these songs and listen to all the different bits. Don't try to mimic them. But hear how some subtle things in there can change it drastically. Because if you remove that, feels like something is missing. We had another yeah. question about Beautiful Mess from the Sparks Fly album. So for those who know Miranda Cosgrove, FYI was from the debut EP. Then Beautiful Mess was from the album Sparks Fly back in 2010. Now, Tyler from Scotland said, James, you always recommend the listeners to open their favorite CDs and look at the inside credits. I found very lovely artists like Lauren Christie's name all over. Can you ask when she works with actors like Miranda Cosgrove, is it hard to help create songs due to the persona being public already? Is it more creatively free when the public doesn't have any preconceived notions of the singer? The line that hits me most is, you're a terror in my brand new dress. I still feel that. Please send thanks to Lauren for the years of music that means something to me. And that was Tyler in Scotland. Mm. Thank you, Tyler. Um, I think it's not that different if the person's famous already or or not, uh, because you're still just trying to write something that is, that's original and a unique perspective. I think that's all the song is, is it's just a unique way of saying something that everyone kind of knows, but you just put a little flip on it. And so I, I, I don't really care if someone's, you know, if it's Madonna, I'm. It's, we're still looking for that, that little spark that just, or the catchiest melody, or as I said, something I want to push the envelope to do something that's a little different. It just mm -hmm. sounds a little different that you haven't heard before. So yeah, it doesn't matter to me if people are famous or not. There you go. See, I love this. Up next, we have questions about Lilix. Now we're going all over your, your discography. Yeah. Lilix, yeah. we have Jose from Argentina said, original doll James, I love Lilix. You mentioned it's about time before and it brings back memories of writing notes and my school field trips. 
can you let Nora, Lauren know that during the pandemic, my school friends would get together and play music over video, and it reminded us of good times. Lilix was the artist who played the most. Can you ask how writing with them came about? We jammed to it at the time, and I also love Dirty Sunshine so good. Thank you, Lauren C., for a soundtrack for Pandemic. That was Jose from Argentina. Thank you so much, Jose. Um, Gosh, that's such a long time ago, but I do remember Lilix. Um, I remember them coming to the studio where we'd been working with Avril, and it was just around about that time when um, we just finished Avril. And I think there was three of them in the band, three girls, and they were all really sweet. I particularly remember them drinking uh, almond milk, (laughs) which I'd never heard of at the time. And um, I remember them, uh, they could play instruments and they were super fun and really great singers and just having a ball with them. Um, It's so funny. The songs are a little like, yeah, it's about time. It's about, I, I remember it now coming back to me i've written so many probably thousands of songs but um and we had a hit with it right it was in that moment after avril and they were they were like very talented girls and i'm so glad that that jose has a you know it reminds him of good times that's wonderful well and i think good that's that, well and i think that's the best thing about this is you know, in 2020, people were going back because there was no no new music. Nobody in their right mind was trying to release new music during that time overall. You know what I mean? So people were going back yeah. to those that felt familiar. And I think there's psychology in that too, like a, an easier time and everything. And you've been a part of that. Now, here's what's great is that you also have been a part of Hilary Duff, like her discography. So yesterday, just this decade, went number 22 in the Philippines, number 13 on the pop charts on iTunes, number two in Ecuador, all songs included on that, pop number two in Guatemala, top 10 in Guatemala on overall, number six in Egypt on the pop charts, number 11 in Nigeria on the pop iTunes chart. And this decade, in addition, it was in 12 other different countries. This song, so yesterday, 20, because it came out in 2003, so 20 years ago, this song is still getting the love. So we have Clinton from Singapore. James Rodriguez, you are bringing on the queen of teen rock bops. Lauren freaking <laughs> Christie. She is an icon, a legend, and always the moment. Please ask her to deep dive into her Hillary Duff songs. So yesterday was a song I played with my sister. She was diagnosed with cancer, and I found that she loved Hillary Duff, so we played it over and over when she was sad, and it made her feel alive, and she is alive and well today. I always think someone who created a song like that, they created medicine for my sister's soul and helped her. Thank you so much, Lauren, for making music that helped her. Oh, that means so much to me. Uh, what's his name? This is from Clinton in Singapore. Clinton, Clinton, thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear your sister's Okay. Um, wow. I mean, what an experience that was. Um, 
the matrix we worked with charlie midnight on all the songs that we did and charlie as i said is my mentor um so yesterday was something that graham came up with the original melodies you can change your mind that stuff and um charlie and i did the lyrics and um it was amazing with the original version of it it's just like a little bit of trivia hopping out for a quick second because i know many of you are hillary duff fans this was amazing the original lyrics were why flip the bird that's already flown away but disney and the record label's like you know what we can't say flip the bird so they changed it again me being a bad girl i wanted to have the bad naughty lyrics in there um so that was just a beautiful song that we loved i thought it was really uplifting for anyone going through a, a breakup that you will you'll get over it you know um and that's a big theme in all my songs is is you'll get over it you know you'll be fine um and the math um i love that song and then probably one another favorite of mine is where did i go right um I just thought that was a unique way of of saying, you know, like, hang on a second, how did I end up so lucky? Where did I go right? You know, because normally it's where where did I go wrong? Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I love all those songs. I loved Hillary. What a pro! I watched that girl step off the mic and then sit down and do liners for TV shows, uh, the for the advertisements for an hour with a camera just like feeding her lines and just like boom, 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 never missing a beat and then right back on the mic again. Um, and I actually ended up working with her again years later and she's just wonderful. She's a mother now and um, she's doing great as an actress, as you know, still. Oh, yeah. I'm proud of So Yesterday. That's, you know, a huge song for us. For those Hillary Duff fans who remember this, some who might not, is So Yesterday was from Hillary Duff's album Metamorphosis. And what's truly amazing about the album is it was a number one album on the Billboard 200. That's right. And as I was talking to Lauren about that, it got her thinking about her work with Avril. Avril didn't do that for some reason. and But that did. It was I, well, a big moment for her. That was something crazy about like the, the Let Go album where it's like seven times platinum in the US, but it never went number one. It was number two. And so every, like, I have yeah. people all the time going, wait, what was number one? But then it's something where it's like, in general, I've talked before, they're like, the song that I wrote back in the 90s, it was number two for four weeks. And and everyone's like, well, what was number one? It's like, Whitney Houston, I will always love you. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah, you know, when, when you, yeah, yeah. When, Avril when was you number one at Top 40 Radio, which is probably the most important thing when it comes to music, in America at least, she, uh, is the Top 40 Radio chart. It's probably more important than the hot 100 on billboard um and so that's why avril was so massive it's just so huge on radio um but so was so yesterday well i was gonna say because that was something avril hit radio she was if if at the time billboard pulled radio in specific like she was number one across the board and it was consistently that she was with all of her songs oh yeah it was it was a crazy ride for us i mean i just had my first my second child and um, we were like, oh, we were number one for uh, a year and a half, I would say. Just constantly our songs were number one from from um, Complicated, Skater Boy, Then I'm With You. It just took like a year and a half for her to not be number one. It was crazy. You're like, oh, these songs that I keep hearing all the time on the radio. You're like, 
that was amazing because I never thought if I would make any money from the music industry. I was just like, you know, I left school when I was 17 and I took a chance on the music business. And so, and then when that happened, I was, I remember my dad, we went on holiday. My dad, <laughs> he would like talk to strangers and say, it's my daughter. You know, that, hear that song? That's my daughter. And I'd say, dad, stop it. <laughs> he was just so proud. Couldn't believe it. That had made, made a success in music. Yeah. Yeah, it was really See, nice. He's so, so proud of me. I had a question from Trace. It was specifically about a lyric in So Yesterday. What does it mean if the light is off, then it isn't on? What does that mean? <laughs> so many people say that's a bogus lyric. Um, I think <laughs> I think what Charlie and I were trying to say there is uh, like spiritually, like, you know, if you're not, if you're not emanating light, then it's not, it's just not on for me, you know? I love it. As I soon think, as I asked that, I you're like, that's where yeah, I think that's where we were going. <laughs> I love this. All right. Yeah. Now, uh, the great thing is where, uh, where's that? Okay. Where did, I, where did I go right? Went number 16 last year on iTunes on the overall all song charts, which was amazing because that was competing yes. ultimately with, songs by artists that just had albums and everything come out individual songs too so this is this is what's amazing now the other thing is uh izzy from france said can lauren christie of matrix talk about working and writing with hillary duff lauren christie made our pop girlies rock so once again you made the pop girlies rock now we already know about your time with her <laughs> but this is amazing <laughs> oh it's just incredible to hear these thank you so much you know from her it's wonderful. It's just, the the thing is, it's just always, it's always fun to hear this. Now, I want to hop to this album, In the Zone, Britney Spears. Mm. Now, many people may say, what? Shadow? She worked on Shadow. Yes, yes, Shadow. And I know some, like, some fun bonus information that's amazing. I'm going to ask you about one other song that you did. And if you remember the song, uh, we'll talk about it. If not, people are going to be like, wait, what song is it? Because I've been going through all sorts of archives, everything, and people have been reaching out to me from Jive and everything. And I know that there were a few songs that you worked on, because many people said, oh, they only worked on one. I was like, no, I know for a fact they worked on several. And one of them yeah. being Shadow. The other song, I don't know if you remember, I'm assuming you remember, because you're Lauren Christie, was like Drama mm -hmm. Mama. Do you remember? Oh, yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, I I didn't know it didn't make the record, but um, it was quite a, quite a few cool songs. I think we did one called Speed Seduction too, and it was very cool. It was like started at one tempo and then slowly, slowly, slowly got faster and faster and faster. It was really awesome. Um, but yeah, only one song made the record, and I love Shadow. It's beautiful. It's only a shadow. Um. Really, really cool. Again, Charlie Midnight um, and I worked on that uh, with Scott and Graham. and Great collaboration. So how did you get brought into, because I know I know the connection of Steve Lunt in general, where Steve, yeah, and I Steve. mean. Yeah, Steve brought us in. You all were super talented and that he was trying to utilize you in every way possible with all these jive artists. And he mentioned another artist that I'm going to, talk about later melissa lefton and everything where he's like yeah that was, oh and i know God. some Love of those songs record. now so good but so yes, how did you so, so for the listeners 
I know, but how did you get brought on to the In The Zone project? So it was Steve Lunt called us. We'd made this record with Melissa Lefton and he kind of knew how passionate we were about helping artists find the key to the door. And uh, and so anyway, he's like, do you want to work with Britney? And we were like, uh, yeah. And uh, so Britney came and spent a week with us or maybe five days at our studio. I remember like the paparazzi standing on top of the cars outside trying to look in. We'd have to pull all the blinds down. And and Brittany was just like such a pleasure to work with. Really that Southern charm, like, uh, and hospitality, like offering me half her sandwich, like just so nice. Um, and we did a bunch of stuff and, you know, tried our best to come up with something amazing. and. And, you know, there was a lot of people trying to get on that record. And and again, we only got one song on it, but it's a good one. And I really love it to this day. And it became her kind of signature moment on tour where she'd go off on a swing and then sing the song. And it was it's just beautiful. And I'm really honored that I got to work with her and spend time with her and just see what a lovely person she is. Well, and that was something that many people were asking. And by the way, listeners, just so you know, just in the past couple of years, the song peaked at number 20 in Greece on the iTunes pop charts, which is amazing right there. And it's going to be charting. Well, and the great thing is it's going to be charting more this year because it's going to be the 20th anniversary of In The Zone. So every time Britney anniversaries come up, the songs and the other thing is what people yeah. call the album cuts would get you know get played on the on the radio yeah. and and get some love so we had a couple people that were asking questions about what sort of style were you thinking about going into when you all were being collaborative you hear let's work on on Britney were you like let's get a couple different styles in here because this song is not rock leaning at all it's this ethereal yeah. it's so different so Whose idea was it to kind of go that route for Britney? I mean, I think it was Britney's idea. I think she said, you know, I really love your song, I'm With You. And I would love to have a song that's just as emotional as that. And obviously, it's nothing like I'm With You, but mm-hmm. it's, um, I think it's home and it pulls on the heartstrings and it really meant a lot to us. If Britney could go back and visit, revisit any of those songs for that you worked with, is there any that you're like, hey, deluxe edition? <laughs> Put that, I, like, I, I, I do speed seduction it was so awesome very cool see i love this it's so the songs that you did work on with her they were all i'm assuming vastly different because i think when i talked to steve about it steve was like the great thing is he said with like the matrix that you all are like hey instead of just making one type of sound let's here's a couple different colors of the rainbow that we're going to play with sort of thing is that we, the way you normally would go, go okay yeah, no, we would we hated to like we, again stick to one genre. You know, we've been all over the place. Uh, Sam Wise, we're working with Ricky Martin, Shakira, Corn. You know, just um, we like to challenge ourselves and not get bored because you know if you're in every day, three of you just looking at each other, it can get a bit boring if you're just doing one type of music. So we were always changing it up. And um, we also with Britney, we'd, we'd heard Toxic and we knew that song. We were just like, this is bananas. Like, um, we're not going to try and compete with that song. We're just going to do something completely different. So everything we did was very different. Now, we did have a question years ago, a demo leaked. It was like Jason Derulo breathing. Now, many people say, oh, it was definitely a Britney Spears demo. It was, it was for Britney. So can you clear mm-hmm. up any sort of information about 
that song? Um, you know, I wrote that song again with DJ Frankie, who um, did the Tonight I'm Loving You for Enrique and, and um, Julian Bonetta, amazing songwriter producer, and um, and Jacob Luttrell. And it was I was just you know showed up to the session and we we came up with a song, and it was written in maybe like an hour and a half, like done. Now I don't know, maybe the track had been originally designed for Britney I don't know um that wasn't my job because I wasn't producer on the song I was just writing at that point um so maybe maybe that's where the confusion lies but as far as I was concerned we but were... you didn't write it specifically for Britney no 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 yeah definitely written for Jason it's a great voice see I, I love clearing up any sorts of misinformation because the other thing too is like I love hearing how you're like I went in and created this in an hour and a half sent you know the good to go it's like this is amazing so many of the songs that you've worked on it's almost like it was yeah. that right thing at that right moment yeah, sort of thing it's often that way so looking back now at your time that you had in that that week long with with Britney how did your feelings for her because being a listener of her music to actually being a work colleague if you were how did any view of hers change? Because, you know, not many people get to see her in the studio. Some people are like, oh, is she that active in the studio? Does she really make her own decisions? So I like letting the people that were in the studio with her to kind of just say their experience of it. Like, you know, how Avril was collaborative and kind of feeding off yeah. you all. How was your experience with um, Brittany in the studio? Very much involved. Very, very careful and cautious about what she wanted to do. Very much involved in the lyrics. Um, hardworking. Uh, um, awesome. I mean, just she, at this point, she was a big star already, you know. So um, very smart. You know, she was, she was really together. I thought... We, we we couldn't believe it it was a for me it was a little frustrating because I just wanted to like have five songs on the record and uh <laughs> you know it was some sometimes things just don't quite go exactly how you want them to, to you know it wasn't the easiest session as like say the Jason Mraz stuff or the Avril stuff Shadow came together really well but the other songs I was questioning you know are these a songs um uh because we're talking not even a is enough it's got to be a plus plus to make it onto a britney spears record and um and the, you, there's like tremendous pressure when you're dealing with a superstar and you've got uh paparazzi outside it's really really like pressurized and i think maybe um it probably wasn't my best work that week just because of the whole thing of like it's britney spears you know um and having her there every day was like, you know, intimidating. So like, you want to please her so, so much. And, but she's very much involved and very gracious and um, really lovely. See, I really love that. Lovely. And, and once again, Steve Lunt just spoke praises and high regards of you all. And this, this part has been fun to be able to hear from people that worked with each other. Cause many people don't, think of the music industry as a job or anything like that they're like it's just something fun it's like but it is a job people show up to do their job you know what I mean like you have to build these relationships oh, yeah. Six days a week from 10 to 7 we used to do it was crazy oh my goodness that I cannot yeah I don't know who that is oh yeah. there was I don't I don't work like that anymore just because I I had kids and I wanted to be able to see them grow up a bit <laughs> that, see, I but that. when they were little I was um 
I was, it was six days a week, nonstop. And then we ended up having a, a studio in our house, which Brittany came to as well. And um, just, just so that I could see my kids more. Yeah, but it that was makes sense. Full, full on. It's still full on today. I just, a lot more of it is I'm more of an executive now because I have a record label and I have artists signed to me. So the the, the phone starts ringing at 9am about business. And, uh, but I just take more time to, you know, be with my, my mother and, and daughters in a restaurant and I'll be doing a business call, you know, so it never ends. And it never ends with me thanking you all on Patreon. Don't forget to join me there. You can just go to theoriginaldoll.com to join me. For as little as a dollar a month, you're able to support this. As many of you know, we're getting more and more content. And the more and more patrons that we get, the faster and faster we're able to get some of these things processed and get some more help. But I'm going to leave you with some final words with Lauren Christie and if you love her as much as I do, let me know. Send me a DM. Let me know what songs you learned that Lauren Christie was a part of. Back to the show. It means so much to me because, you know, doing what we do um, in the background, you don't often get to hear how it moves people. And so it's just so touching to me to hear this stuff. You know, I love it. Thank you. Thank you for it's been... reading these letters, James. Oh, my goodness. And we we will have you back on. So everyone... This is what I'm going to let you know. If you have any questions, and it's, what has been great is almost every guest I've ever had is like, ask me any questions. The more questions you ask, the more stuff helps out charity. Ask me any questions. Some people may be like, I might not remember the song, but you can still ask me. And that's my answer. But thank you so much for spending yeah. the time today here with the original doll. We truly appreciate it. And honestly, just thank you for the music that you've given so many people globally for decades. Thank you so much for that and joining us today on the original Thank Lauren. You. Thank you, Dave. Thanks for having me. And thank you to everyone for the lovely letters.